a beyond belief is a podcast by for and about people who have found a secular path to sobriety in alcoholics anonymous good ben is here hey ben Oh, Ben's on video. Yeah, so here we are. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here on AA Beyond Belief today. I don't know why I said that. We're not live. This is just a recorded podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, good to see you there, Ben. Hey, John. Sorry for my tardiness. Oh. I had a kid fall and bump his slip, and then my uh, Wi-Fi internet was working. So Okay, well, you're fine. Um, and then we got Bobby C here. He is from Huntington Beach, California. Bobby, uh, this is Ben. Hey, Bobby. Hi. Nice to meet you. Hi, Ben. I've been looking forward to meeting you. Nice to see you. Uh, oh, Ben, I just got done seeing him on video, but now he just went off. So that's, yeah, it's good. I finally got to speak with you. I've been yeah. seeing you. Being, I've been seeing you on the podcast. I've been watching mostly all the podcasts on both channels. Oh, good. I'm glad I enjoyed your talk with John the other week, too, on the other podcast. Thank you. Yeah, that was kind of fun. Uh, that that spirituality topic is always uh, kind of controversial. You know, some people hate it and some people I'm like, I really don't care. You know, do what you want to do. So um, I don't know. There's a, a variety of things I guess we could talk about, Bobby. Um, you know, last time that we spoke on the other podcast, you, you shared a little bit of your story and you talked about the meeting that you started and some of the other um, recovery, uh, groups that you participate in. And we were talking a little bit beforehand and you thought that one topic of many that we could talk about might be, um, anonymity. Uh, would you want to talk about that and what your feelings are about that? Or would you want me to start? Yeah, sure. <laughs> we, well, we could, uh, I'll, I'll go and okay. then we could, we could discuss it, Ben, okay. and yourself. We could talk about it a little bit. Okay. How about if I just go into the into uh this my story just a little bit to, sure. to where i'm at now with the anonymity stuff you okay. know when i came in 36 years ago i didn't even know what a rehab was mm-hmm. uh there was only one place to go and and as you both know it was alcoholics anonymous so i was i was fortunate that you know a friend of mine was not a friend of mine but he came became my friend he uh, already uh, was going to Alcoholics Anonymous, and he came over, and he um, took me to my first meeting. I think I mentioned that in the last podcast. But before that, I I had no clue about the uh, rehabs, help, or any other uh, form of uh, recovery. All I know is that I started uh, using very early. Probably, I don't know how old you are in fifth grade, but that's when I started taking my dad's cigarettes, started smoking cigarettes in fifth grade. It's, it's crazy to even think back, you know. And then uh, from there, even in fifth, I moved from one town to another, and then I was in fifth grade and met a couple friends in the neighborhood and back, back east. I come from South Jersey. So back east, there was a lot of, a lot of kids my age in the neighborhood. And uh, we picked up, and uh, I started probably in about fifth, sixth grade, taking a little bit of wine here and a little sip there. I'd go out and pour a little bit in a, a little jar, take a little whiskey. Everybody took a little whiskey out of their parents' cabinets, and we'd meet down the gully, and and uh, I'd hold my nose and 
swig a little bit of a half of a thing of whiskey down and I don't know. That was crazy. That was the introduction to it in kind of a crazy way. And then it just progressed, you know, on and on. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to say today that it was a choice for me to take that first drink. And it was a choice that I chose to take that first cigarette. And it was a choice to take the other things. But it wasn't a choice for me to get addicted to it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize that I was going to become addicted to any of these substances, but I did. And uh, they talk about progression and it, it progressed. And my story is just like anybody else's. It was like in the beginning, it wasn't that bad. But then as you turn the pages, became uh, doing the same thing over and over again. And I didn't, trying to expect some different results, but no different results ever came out of it. It kind of got, uh, kind of got worse and uh, really never got better. Until I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, that was February 27th, 1987. But when I came in, anonymity you know, they say anonymity is the spiritual foundation of the program. And uh, today, you know, what I thought then and what I think today is completely different. And as my journey and I evolved throughout the Alcoholics Anonymous program, as I, as I stated in the last podcast, I went to many different things, ACOA, CODA meetings. I did one-on-one group. I uh, went to some men's meetings, different types of men's meetings. Um, and I read different books, different spiritual books, different motivational speaker books. And my mind started to expand. So when I was going to these meetings, I always had, I think we talked about that cognitive dissidence from the very beginning. And uh, anonymity was always talked about, you know. And as the years go went on, I, I kind of started to think on my own, you know, and started to think, question, observe, become aware of different things because of the outside information I was getting. And uh, I'd start seeing movie stars, you know, talk about their, their uh, recovery. And uh, we know Bill and other speakers – they uh, broke their anonymity way back then. Mm-hmm. But uh, today, I don't know. Everybody, I don't think it's, I actually think people don't, they don't care about that because I think the trend's going to less labels, less stigma, stigmatizing people, mm-hmm. less um, less words that, that we're using to describe us you know, alcoholic, alcoholism, anonymous, the disease concept. I, I believe that's that's going to that's going to go away eventually altogether. Yeah. I think that anonymity is is a personal choice, and that uh, there are some people who need to because of their careers or whatever uh, have a reason to um, keep it, you know, out of the public level. And I can certainly respect that. And so, you know, I feel obligated to respect their privacy and their anonymity. 
Um, I think that for me personally, I'm kind of done with the tradition of anonymity. However, I do respect it um, on this podcast, uh, just out of respect for AA. And since AA is in the name of this podcast and, and the people who listen to it are primarily AA members, I do try to follow the traditions as best I can. So I do re- uh, maintain my anonymity here. But when I read about this uh, principle of, or tradition of anonymity, I'm sorry, in the 12 traditions and um, and the 12 steps that Bill W. wrote, the primary reason that we have, um, we're anonymous is so that we're not out there, it's for public relations, so that we're not out there um, acting as spokespeople for AA and then, and then lousing it all up. And I just don't see people doing that. I don't think that that is a problem. I, you know, and I think it's almost idiotic because there are many other programs like smart recovery and life ring where people can talk openly about their involvement and nobody is, is, is accusing them of being a spokesperson for their particular program. Um, you know, so I, I really feel like it was kind of a way at that time for those people, they, and they probably felt it was important to control the message as much, as much as they could. And so they wanted everyone to be anonymous, um, except for the big guys who would go around and, and talk about the program. That was just, that's just my feeling. I also think that it kind of stigmatizes the disease a little bit, you know, um, like it's like every, we're all in hiding or something now. And I also, though, that being said, um, I also recognize there's a huge difference between being anonymous and respecting um, someone's confidentiality so that if I'm at a meeting, anything I hear in that meeting stays there. You know, I have no right to go around talking about what I hear in a meeting, but that doesn't have anything to do with anonymity. That has to do with just respecting the confidentiality that we have in, in AA meetings. So that's kind of my take on it. That's where I, and I've kind of evolved to this position. Um, but, and I'm, I still kind of tiptoe it a little bit. Um, sometimes I cross the line when I don't mean to. And, um, but I'm not as worried about it as I used to be. What do you think, Ben? What's your take on that? Well, you know, you guys made a lot of good points. Um, John, the last part you made too about um, anonymity. I will, I am a hundred percent for anonymity and, and how, it is everybody's decision as to whether they're anonymous themselves about being a sober person or not. Like it's never my right to go out and say, Oh, Hey, I know this guy, John S and use your full name and say, you know, he's sober too and does this and does that. That's not for me to ever, to ever blow somebody else's anonymity. But I do agree that that most of it stems from probably trying to keep the message quote pure in the get go and not having people spouting off everywhere. like they're the spokesperson for AA and um, Johnny or Bobby, I'm sorry. um, I thought it was an interesting point you made. Like a lot of people, the first time they maybe heard about AA was when some famous person said that they were a sober person without even saying they were going to AA or something. Um, So again, we've all probably seen somebody in the public eye who seems pretty enthusiastic and you can probably tell they're going to a lot of 12 step meetings, the way they're talking, we kind of know the lingo. Um, but even when they don't, don't explicitly say they go to AA, I don't, I don't really cringe about any of that because I, I don't know if we give people enough credit. I don't think anybody thinks of somebody like Ben Affleck is out there relapsing and causing chaos. If I don't think everybody says, 
well, AA doesn't work. You know, the person who might say that is probably an active alcoholic who's scared to death of quitting drinking. And, and I don't, they'll find an excuse to not come no matter what usually. So, I mean, I would imagine more good has been done by people talking about being a sober person. And for a while there, it, and I still think it's kind of this way. And Bobby, you mentioned it, it's been kind of trendy and hip. And I don't mean that in a bad way to uh, talk about being sober. And I mean, facts on the table, drinking in general is not healthy for anyone, whether you're an alcoholic or not. I mean, alcohol is a toxin. And again, I'm not the, I'm not the sobriety police. I'm not saying everybody shouldn't drink, but I think it's, it's a public health issue too. So back to back to the pointed issue, I will respect anybody's right to be anonymous and go out of my way to protect, protect anybody else's anonymity and confidentiality, like you guys are saying. But I also, um, I've evolved to it too, where if, you know, it's, if it's everybody's business, whether they choose to say they're sober or not. And, and it, you do have to be careful because especially most of us here that tend to join on this podcast, we probably have some conflicting feelings about it. It's like, I want to advocate for people to be sober if they want to be sober. And if they find that AA works for them, great. But if it doesn't, you know, I have problems with AA. I have things I love about AA. So, um, but like, like John said, it, it, there's, there's things about the traditions that make them very worth respecting. And, and this is, this is one of them, but I'm not sure their intentions were always so pure. Yeah. Yeah. And you no. know, like in the workplace, I'm, I'm pretty anonymous and I kind of choose that, but it's not like if, if somebody were to know it would bother me um, per se, but I don't want, I don't want to be, I, I don't want people to think of me as that's, that's me. That's, that's who I, I don't want them to identify me as being a person in recovery necessarily. I just want to be another guy at work. Um, you know, so that, and also I don't, I, I don't want to have to be having to explain or even defend, um, AA to people who might not understand it. Right. So. No, I Go ahead. Sorry, Bobby. Uh, that's okay. I I agree with, uh, you know, mostly everything both of you are saying. Um, for the for the listener, I guess that's important to hear what you two are saying. For the listener that really doesn't know what anonymity means or how to deal with it, or I mean, through years you 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 learn. For me, I believe in. When I talk about an anonymity, I talk about myself, mm-hmm. not other people. I I personally don't break my anonymity to anybody because it doesn't matter. I only do it. I know exactly when to do it. It kind of if it comes up, it's like almost a a known thing. It it's like your your body and your mind and your feelings know to open up. You know, so I, I'm I'm really very careful with anonymity in that sense, and uh, I respect totally respect other people's anonymity. I um I mean, after all, the only thing that separates me from everybody else is that I was addicted to alcohol. Now I'm not, and uh, character defects. I think all these character defects that they talk about are just human character defects of every human being on the earth. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Anonymity is a personal thing. I, I, I don't even tell, I don't even go into medical stuff. You know, even the first day I got sober, I don't tell my, I don't right. even tell my doctors. Right. 
tell you the truth. It's not really and, a topic uh, that comes up in just normal everyday conversation with people, you know, at work or at a party or something. It just doesn't, it's just not a topic that comes up. It'd be, you're exactly right. It's like talking about, you know, um, a, a medical issue or something. It's just not, it's just not something I don't think that that comes up um, that often or it's even, a, even an issue. It's more of an issue now because of the internet, I think. And, um, you know, it's, you know, you can go on YouTube and and just um, you know search for AA, and you'll find any number of people um, talking about their experience at an AA meeting, or they'll be celebrating their um, anniversary or whatever, and holding up a coin, and they're on video, and they're not anonymous, and they don't seem to mind at all. <laughs> and I don't know if that's really hurting AA. I don't think it is. Um, so I'm fine with them doing that. You know, if mm-hmm. that's that's what they want to do. Yeah, definitely. I think we all probably see people post the pictures and, you know, there's always degrees of involvement in AA too. Some people just go to meetings and aren't that connected with other people socially. And, and, you know, everybody kind of does it a little different. Uh, Bobby, what Bobby said, you know, using the statement we hear about um, how anonymity is the spiritual principle of whatever, I think, you know, to explain that more probably worldly terms and regular world terms, it's, it's about humbleness, I think, because, you know, even like we're just talking about people on Facebook, you can see somebody who's, you know, smoking pink cloud, hardcore into being sober and, you know, they're spouting it everywhere in six months. And, you know, the counselor in me says, okay, now let's take it easy here. You know, you got to be prepared for when it doesn't feel this great all the time too, not to burst your bubble. But I think that's some of the concern with that anonymity thing. And, and I don't think, you know, I just think it's over-exaggerated how people say if that person has a relapse or something happens that it gives AA a bad name. I think, one, most people still don't know too much about AA. And two, I think people do understand that addiction, they're starting to understand that addiction and alcoholism is not something that's just a a once-and-you're-done type deal for a lot of people. Right. And, 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 and the stigma has, has uh, gone down to a certain extent, you know, it's, it's not, and, and, and to a large degree because of all these people that have come out openly, you know, about, about it, you know, that's right. one reason that, that has reduced the stigma, I think. Well, but, especially for certain professions, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you're a medical person or you're, you're a surgeon or somebody who's, you know, um, I think anonymity is important there. And, you know, it does seem like we have special groups for people who tend to be the higher end professionals because of that. But also it's, it's to be careful because um, I don't know if I'm being delusional about my own drinking, but it was a fairly high bottom compared to some people. Now that doesn't mean it wasn't bad enough for me or whatever, but sometimes I'm careful to even tell somebody I'm a recovering alcoholic because the first thought their head goes to is that, you know, all I did was drink all day, every day for like 10 years and, you know, lived on the street, which I'm, I wouldn't be ashamed of that if that was my story. But again, we don't know what other people's perceptions and where they go with that. So if somebody's a professional and I out somebody else who's in going to 12 step meetings, I may very well be destroying that person's reputation based on just what the other person doesn't know about, about that other person's history. So it's, it's touchy. But I have friends, I have friends that, you know, um, back in my old home groups who we have agreements with each other where I'm like, Hey, if you ever know anybody now that I've moved up to Omaha, like if you ever know someone who needs somebody to connect with up here or talk to, I don't care if you out me one bit, give me, give them my number, tell them my first and last name. I don't care. You know, so I can have agreements with people like that too. 
So yeah, that's where that's where I'm going with that uh, anonymity stuff. Is that like what we're doing? What we're doing like with what you what you're doing with the the um, my secular recovery? Okay. For, I don't mind breaking my anonymity because I'm 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 targeting I'm talking to other alcoholics. Even the word we could talk about that word alcoholics, but other people in recovery. I'm, I'm talking about maybe somebody that's looking for something. So for me to break my anonymity that way, I don't have any problem with it, none whatsoever, because they're looking or they're searching or they're going to this site for a specific reason. So in that sense, I don't, anonymity to me, I'm going to break it every day that way. You know, if I can help somebody. That other to podcast. go around town. That other podcast you talked about, My Secular Sobriety, that's a really interesting experiment because I um, I wanted to do that because I wanted to kind of break out of the AA mold. I wanted to have um, topics that talked about recovery that weren't always related to AA. And I was really hoping that I wouldn't even have to talk about AA. But as the more I get involved with it, the more difficult I find, I find it to not even mention it or not even to mention it as part of my own experience. So I ultimately just gave up. I said, okay, I'm just going to have to talk about my experience honestly. And as a result, I ended up breaking my anonymity on that particular podcast. But I'm not, you know, I just finally said, you know, I'm just... <laughs> That's just the way it has to be. I have to talk about my own experience. But most of the sh- most of the episodes on that podcast aren't going to be centered on AA or the steps or anything like that. I really want to focus on on that podcast. I want to look at recovery from all addictions and using all types of therapy or support groups. Exactly. Yeah. And not being so concerned about what you say and how you say it and what you're representing. Exactly. Exactly. I I don't need traditions police, you know, getting on me about, you know, you you broke this tradition or that tradition. Yeah. Well, how dare you talk about that podcast on this podcast? (laughs) I know that's another thing. I was, I was really having the two separate, you know, like I don't want anyone to know I'm doing this. You know, I almost felt like when I left my old AA group, I didn't tell anybody that I left. I just went off and did it, you know? (laughs) Well, it's, you know, sooner or later we, we, we just have to become honest, you know, I mean, sooner or later we have to become like real, you know, right. instead of kind of, uh, hiding and, and, uh, you know, we don't talk about the disease, you know, there's two, there's two, uh, there's two trains of thoughts out there in, uh, this disease concept. Some believe it isn't, some believe it is. I happen to believe today. I believe I don't have a disease, you know, now we're talking when, this might be better to talk on the other channel about that, but we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the, the alcohol industry. We don't touch the alcohol industry. Me, me actually think that the alcohol industry should be held responsible for some of this uh, devastating consequences it has on society. You know, actually, if you look at it, we are victims of the alcohol society. You know, it's been, uh, it's, it's been a lie and, and uh, it's still it's still uh, affecting, it's, it's targeting young people, women, older people. So we don't talk about that. Not that we're going to talk about, we're not going to talk yeah, about that right okay now. Talk but about it, if you want. No, it is interesting. No. Well, and the point is, I think Bobby too, some people, it seems like, and again, I always get it off on the religion thing, but it's like, there's these police out here who think if you, for one second, talk about anything that maybe contributed to you becoming an alcoholic or whatever you want to call it, 
then that is you trying to sidestep your own personal responsibility. And on some level, there's a truth to that, especially when somebody's really newly getting sober. It is so important to just focus on what you can do. But, uh, you know, eventually I think a healthy recovery oftentimes for many people involves looking back and maybe analyzing what went on and looking at some deeper personality stuff and some, maybe some therapy and things like that, that are that, you know, I've found to be a benefit. It doesn't mean everybody will, but um, so, but there's such a, you can even sense a tone in certain AA meetings where if something even remotely goes to that direction, the next person is sure as heck to like slam the door on that and move everything back towards a, you know, a personal responsibility um, movement. And often that involves a lot of shame and blame and guilt. The tone of it is part of my concern about it, but there's truth to it too. Right. And it's that singleness of purpose and staying focused on this, but it's, it's also what has led me to be bored of going to AA meetings often, you know, that, that singleness of purpose, which I agree with on many levels, but, sometimes it just feels so repetitive and over and over. It's like staying in English 101 when you really want to get to read some new books in English. Oh my God. I say that. I say that, you know, like, would you stay in kindergarten, you know, and not go to try to go to second grade? Yeah. It's almost, you know, it's almost, this is what, you know, it's a parroting. Let's, let's be honest here. It's a parroting Mm -hmm. of repetition of words and phrases and uh, readings that, you know, repetitively get into your brain and, mm-hmm. and kind of, let's just uh, use the word, to, it can, it can uh, brainwash you. Okay. Yeah, and, and there's a good side to that, and then there's a dangerous side to that. Yeah. And I've kind of had to try and unweave some of that stuff, like, oh, do I just believe that because I heard it in AA meetings over and over and over, or how does that really relate to me, or, or how do I really feel about that? Well, I believe I was born an atheist, Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was born an atheist. Then my mother gave me her uh, Catholicism. She, you know, I, I did all the Catholic stuff, mm-hmm. you know, all, all the whole ritual. And then uh, slowly, you know, when I, when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I tried to get back into that because I thought something was wrong with me. I didn't have it. And then I even went into the Christian churches and started to do Bible studies and, started to tell everybody, you know, they better be saved. Let's go when I go to hell. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I did that, that little routine there for a while. And thank God I came out of it. Thank, well, thank whoever, thank me really that I came out of it. And uh, yeah. Yep. And it's, it's kind of like, um, it seems like there's a fear in AA of like, again, along this anonymity line that if we don't have this consistent message and it doesn't sound the same everywhere, there's, there's a danger in that. And that's just to me, a lot of fear mongering and what it's, it's to me, it's like sex education for kids. Let's give all the information so that kids can make the best decision they have to make for themselves when they're in a situation where they're the only ones to make a decision, just like, we can all feel united and we can all say whatever the heck we say in that one hour in an AA meeting when we're there. It really does not matter if you mean it or if you're parroting it or not in that moment where it matters is when you're home and you're walking past the liquor store or your wife has a 12 pack of beer in the fridge that you've been thinking about a lot. I mean, it comes down to what's it going to mean to you 
in that moment when you're away from all your safety and what do you really believe what really works for you you know like you learning about your mom's religion or any religion it's like well what does that mean to me or what am i taking from that do i have to believe it all or none of it or do i have to frame it in a way that works for me now so it's it it always comes down to personal responsibility yep yeah, whatever, you know, whatever the mind can conceive and believe it will achieve. That's, that's good or bad. You know, whatever my mind wants, if my mind wants a drink and I believe it wants a drink, I'm going to get a drink. You know, right. and if I want sobriety bad enough, it says the only requirement is a desire. So a desire means a craving. So if I have a craving for sobriety, whatever my mind can conceive and believe, about sobriety, I will achieve it. I believe all programs, all recovery programs, work the same way, through the belief that it will work. Okay? I, so I take responsibility for that belief. So I believe all the programs will work if you, if you want them to work. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't want them to work, they won't work. I see people in AA, they, they're big book stumpers. They're tw- they, they 12 steps. They got two sponsors that they sponsor, each 10 people. They go to meetings. They go out and drink. I see people that don't have sponsors, don't do the big book, don't do the 12 steps, they stay sober. I see people that believe in God, stay sober. I see people that don't believe in God, stay sober. So I believe it's our responsibility. It's my choice. And uh, I choose to want it today, still like I did back then. Actually, my desire today is is a a thousand times greater than it was back then. Mm Mm-hmm. And something like this website and this podcast, I think what it does is it exposes the fact that there's been people who feel like us all along. And in some level that makes the people who are the hardcore dogmatists of AA scared because it's like, you know, it's, it's bringing something to light that's been true for a long time and is probably growing in numbers. And I'm with you, Bobby, the honesty and the truth about it is, is what's important. And I think the good side of, I'm not, I'll, I'll say movement. I know we don't always like that word, but the good side of this is what it, what it brings to the front is authenticity and being emotionally honest about ourselves. That scares the hell out of some people. And I would say that some people hide in the dogma of AA and or religion because of that fear. So to, to have your, to have your, uh, your foundation rattled just because all of a sudden you realize, holy cow, there are some atheists in here. Or, holy cow, there's some people who don't think the 12 steps are, are you know, perfect as written. They came down the mountain, you know. Um, that, that for some people, if, if that really rocks their foundation, I have to question how secure their sobriety is. So mm-hmm. how open-minded are they? Right. You just talked about how secure someone is in their sobriety, and it kind of it kind of brings me to another topic that, I, that that's on my mind that I'd like to talk about, <clears throat> and that is um, how we're handling um, you know, going to meetings or not going to meetings during this pandemic. So I made a decision that I'm going to practice social distancing, and for that, and for me, that means I'm going to be working from home. I'm not going to be going to um, gatherings where there's a large number of people and I'm not going to go to AA meetings. I'm not going to sit in a room, a small room with 15 or 20 people in it. You know, Um, I just made that decision for myself. I just think that um, it's not so much just me not getting the virus, but if I do get it, I won't be infecting other people. I just think it's really important to do that. So anyway, I was at a meeting last night and I was, it was a Friday night meeting that I chair. And I just told the people, I said, 
you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to chair this meeting anymore. I'm not going to go to meetings for another month. Uh, we either need to close this meeting down or someone else needs to chair it. No one else wanted to chair it. So we decided to close it down. And so after the meeting, I was talking to a guy, he looked to be about my age and he's, I know he's been sober for at least 20 years or so. And I was explaining to him, you know, this why this decision I made about not going to meetings for a month and why, and the social distancing. And he said to me, he said, well, that sounds like a recipe for a relapse. Um, that he has heard so many times that when someone relapses, the first words are, they stop going to meetings. And I'm like, that kind of disturbed me because it's like, I'm not that insecure. I don't, my sobriety isn't that fragile. And I have a good reason for doing this. And how... It almost frightens me that there's people in AA who think that they have to continue going to these AA meetings regardless of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, John, John, that's the disease talking in you. I guess. (laughs) Just kidding. But how do you how do you guys feel about this um, this pandemic, and how are you handling yourselves? You know, I guess Bobby. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's 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 just say I'm still a little confused in the sense that. I don't know if I want to cut my, because my meetings are new and there may be only about 12 people in them. And, um, I'm, I'm, t- I'm torn. I have cognitive dissonance with this, you know, I'm torn. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Uh, so I, I'm taking it day by day. And, uh, actually I'll, I'll take it. I have a little meeting tonight and there may not be, there may be one person or two people that show it's that uh, recovery Dharma meeting, but I'm mm-hmm. going to go. And I'll, and I'll, you know what, more will be revealed to me and I'll, I'll be able to make, uh, make, make the decision after that. And then I'll, yeah. I'll build on that decision. Um, but as far as, um, people saying you, you, uh, I've been away meeting in the beginning. I was away. I took vacations. I was away meetings for two weeks. You know, I didn't get drunk. There's people, mm-hmm. there's, there, I didn't want to get drunk because I wanted sobriety more than I wanted to get drunk, you know? And uh, there's there's people that uh, they don't go to meetings all the time yeah. and they stay sober. I know. <laughs> right. John, I have a question. Was this person directly referring to you? And yes. that, wow, that sounds like a recipe for yep. relapse for you. Yep. Yep. We were talking. <clears throat> it was just he and I in the room together and he was talking to me. <clears throat> he thought that um, what I was doing was dangerous. And I think that it's dangerous for me to put myself in a room full of people who might have right. a, a virus that I could transmit to someone like my wife you, who could pass it on you, to her mother you know and here's where that uh that kind of stuff annoys me maybe if you were like two weeks sober <laughs> right. i mean or something like that and still you know physically withdrawing but i mean it's like that's that's the dogma and that's the fear-mongering and that's the religiosity that annoys me about aa sometimes as far as me like i took my son to costco yesterday because we had to get some things with you know <laughs> oh, let's all quarantine. But before that, where I'm going to go be around a thousand people who are frantically buying things and then go quarantine. Right, right, right. So, I mean, I have so many mixed feelings about it. Our daughter was going to daycare still last week, three days a week. But then, you know, all of those kids have been exposed to each other and, you know. Well, fortunately for kids, it's, it's not that dangerous, really. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And the younger you are, the better, the better off you are, really. Right. And like you said, John, uh, I'm not worried about me. I'm not worried about my wife. I'm not worried about my kids. I'm worried about my in-laws who are in their 70s who have heart conditions. I'm worried about my mom who, you know, if she got the coronavirus and had a, a, a medium problem, she would die. She's on 
oxygen 24 seven and has heart disease and she has COPD. So that's, that's why we do this. I mean, I'm not trying to get political on this, but so even today, I think I'm going to take my daughter to a movie, but the movie theater that I'm taking is practicing distancing and not putting people in certain seats. But even still, there's, there's a part of me that feels guilty because what this whole thing has revealed to me is just how goddamn self-centered we are too. Like even myself, I'm thinking like, man, if I'm super annoyed with my family, how the hell am I going to get out of here and go to a movie if my wife's cool with it when this is going on? What's this going to do for me? And then I have to sit and I have to think, it's not about it's much like AA. It's not about me. It's about us. And, and if the goal really is, I mean, we may look back and be like, oh, everybody's panicking over nothing. We may never know that. We may be like, oh, we avoided the worst spike exactly. of it because of what we did. Exactly. And then the other side of people might say, well, look at this bullshit. We didn't even have to do this. No one exactly. hardly broke up that, That's what my wife was saying. It's like, <clears throat> if, 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 it's, if it turns out that we do lower the, the hump or whatever it is, and, and it's not as bad as we were expecting because we took these precautions, people mm. are going to say, oh, what an overreaction. It really wasn't that bad. But right. it wasn't that bad because <clears throat> we did these things, you know? Right. There was a guy in line, the Costco I was at yesterday, went all the way to the back of the store and back around the corner. The line moved super fast, but there was one gentleman, and he said, what the hell are all these people doing here? And then another guy who I would have assumed, if they were political people, that they would have been on the same team. The other guy said, well, didn't you hear schools are probably going to close for six to eight weeks. The other guy turned around and said, God damn fucking media. (laughs) And so I'm just like, okay, you know, it's like, whatever. I mean, it's like we talk about sacrifice and we talk about, you know, I mean, what's a couple of weeks or a month, which I know is a big deal in terms of economic terms. I do a lot of stuff in the stock market. So I realize that, but I mean, we, the same people who are talking about, sorry, this is now per, turned into a political podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> the same people who were probably preaching against whatever Obama's death camps were are also the same people who are just saying, well, it's just the flu. If we kill off just the most vulnerable people and the old people, who cares? It's like, okay, which, which part of this camp do you want to agree with? But I guess my point is, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to go to a meeting, no. especially one where people are going to try and grab your hands and oh, make yeah. you hold but what scares um, which I me, think is a stupid, outdated um, idea yeah. anyway. But there, we've talked about this on other podcasts. There is something about being around other people, physically around other people, that does help. Um, so I understand it. And especially, Bobby, for you, if you got a new meeting that is trying to gain some traction, a month or two break might be just what it, what it takes to have that meeting fall apart for a while. Right. But then on the other hand, that problem might solve itself because there might be enough people that are – living in fear that don't come to the meeting anyway. So exactly, you know, yeah. When this, you know, I just want to talk to the listeners, the, the new, the, the new people that, that came into different types of programs, uh, recovery programs that are dealing with these, these issues, these addictive behaviors and stuff. This, this is normal anxiety, depression, uh, feeling bored, um, it's all normal feelings. We're all feeling them. So I mm-hmm. want to just say that, that to them and, and let them know that t- today, I could see back in my day, but today everything's online. You go online, get involved, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, go, go to Twitter, you know, listen to these podcasts that used to, uh, you know, 
AA Beyond Belief. I mean, you could just stay there for hours listening to that, those different uh, podcasts. You know, my secular recovery, you only have about seven of them right now, but there are going to be more coming, you know. Mm-hmm. And we could sit and listen to them and listen and learn, learn to listen. It, it's, 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 a new, it's a new era, so well, I, I don't thinking, think we have to worry about that. I was that. thinking about that, Bobby. I mean, I'm, Great point, John. The, the reason that I'm doing this is mainly because of my age. I'm, I'll be coming up on 58 years old. And I think that I'm a little bit in that category where I should be careful. Um, so this is my decision. Um, there, a lot of people that go to our meeting are in there, um, are under 40 and they're not that big at risk. So it's not, not as big of a deal for them. So I'm just making that decision for myself. The way that we're handling it, our group is people who feel comfortable, they'll take their own precautions and do their own thing. And that, so that was just my, my decision. But, you know, I was thinking, Bobby, that what if this, what if I was only like just now getting sober, I'm like a week sober. And, um, it now, if I was a younger person and just newly sober, I think I would, I would still go to meetings and I would, and I'd practice precautions of not holding people's hands and, and, and et cetera, you know, but I think I would still probably attend the meetings. But when you talk about all the other resources that are available, like going online and so forth, when I was getting sober, I didn't have any money. And so I'm thinking that if, if I was in the same position now, just getting sober and I didn't have a job and I, um, you know, or, or any money, I might not be able to afford a cell phone with, with internet access or to buy a book or to, you know, any of that stuff. I might, I'm not, I might not have a computer or being able to go online. So I don't, I wouldn't have those resources if I, if I were in the same position today as I was back in 1988 financially and so forth, first getting sober. So, you know, the only thing I would be able to do now is access is go to the library, which is actually what I did back in the eighties, you know? Um, so it's a little bit more difficult if it depends on where you are in society and what kind of resources you have, it'd be great if you're just getting sober and you have a job and you have access to the internet, you can go to online meetings and so forth. But if you don't have the access to that, it does make it a lot more difficult. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like you guys are saying, and Bobby, thank you for bringing that up. Like there, there are going to be different degrees of what people need. So the important thing is if you can or are able to be in touch with somebody who can help guide you through it, if you don't feel like you know what you should do, um, because that, that uncertainty that like, Oh God, am I going to screw? Like, you know, John, even that guy mentioning it to you and you've got what, 33 years of so- sobriety, it can just, that kind of stuff upsets me too, to where I'm like, Oh geez, what the, maybe I am, or, you know, maybe I'm screwing up, but I, on some level, we have to trust ourselves. Use what tools you have available to you. I mean, talk to a neighbor more often, or I don't know. It's, well, it's going to be different. It's going to be different for each person. It I is. mean, and it, if somebody's going to use it for an excuse to drink, they will, you it know, scares oh, me, I'm though. isolated in this and that. It scares me that there might be people who are in their sixties and older who are afraid not to go to AA meetings and they're going to go to AA meetings and they're going to get sick and they, they might get very, very sick. And, um, they're doing it because they think that it's the only way to stay sober. And, uh, what I've heard some people even say is that, well, I have two choices here. I can die from this virus or I could die from drinking. I don't believe that that's the choice. That's not the choice. You can stay sober and, and still take the precautions that you should take 
for for your particular situation for you know if you're if you're an older person if you have um, underlying uh, medical conditions you know you need to take more precautions than somebody who is 32 years old and otherwise healthy <clears throat> so yeah it kind of concerns me I, I i think that um there's a lot of people out there who aren't taking it seriously and they're going to go to meetings and uh, people are going to get sick but yeah we could talk about um now that's 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 great everybody's going to find their own way and i'll go back to that whatever the mind can conceive and believe it'll achieve if you if you want this thing you're going to you're going to figure it out no matter what go to the library or go online if you can afford it grab a book or something you'll you'll figure it out somebody will figure it out if they want it they'll, they'll get it uh you know how about the how about the, the people in that alcohol how, how, how much time do you think that guy had did he have a lot of time or a little bit of time uh, that told you that uh, about 25 years i think okay now let me just go with that for a minute <clears throat> so we have people in that alcoholics anonymous like with a lot of time and uh, they used to use these things with the bleeding deacon Mm-hmm. And uh, elder statesmen, uh, I think that was a more controlling factor where if you speak out differently, you're a bleeding deacon. And if you sit back and say nothing and let the people uh, make you a, a movie star or a guru, then you're a elder statesman. I, you know, I don't buy that bleeding deacon and elder statesman. But in Alcoholics Anonymous, it almost seems like, like we were talking about this kindergarten uh, moving up. You got 12 steps, then move up to the 12th grade. Uh, you know, in the 10th step, it talks about continue to continue to take personal inventory. So what I tend to see a lot in Alcoholics Anonymous is people that have 5, 10, 15, 20, they, they tend to talk about the past all the time and trying to use what they did 20 years ago to help them today, you know. Instead of like really searching, having an open mind, being honest and willing to change more, not to stay stuck. I see people, uh, older people with years, I, you know, I'm, I'm judging and I'm taking inventory. Yes, I am. I see I'm stuck. And uh, that's why I like this, this, this other stuff. Because if you venture out just a little bit, your mind opens up a little bit more. And... Um, that's just my take on that. Bobby, that's a great point. And like, I'm looking at this as an opportunity. Okay, we're going to be at home more. What are the things around the house that we've been trying to get done that we say we, quote, don't have time for? So to liken that to recovery, it's like, this is a different aspect of our recovery. So if you're someone out there super concerned about going to meetings, but you really don't want to because of this, well, think about this is a new way I can challenge myself to grow in my recovery while I'm at home. Maybe, I mean, everybody's been talking, maybe you've been sitting there putting off, writing down your fourth step. Well, if you're going to be inside more, go ahead and write that down. Maybe you've been telling yourself forever that you're going to journal more often and share your feelings in writing. Well, here's a great chance to do that more. So it's, it's almost like you're going to, we're going to have, we're all have this opportunity to have this stuff put in our face that we've been procrastinating and putting off. Well, here's a great opportunity to dig into some of that stuff. And I'm going to be doing more podcasts and I'm going to be reading more and I'll be taking my dog for a lot of walks. It's an opportunity. You said it. It's an opportunity for all of us to grow. It's uh, you it can is. look at it as a, a bad thing or a good thing. It's an opportunity. Well, let's for find sure. things. That, up, that guys, is a recovery tool. That's a recovery tool. Yep. I think it's a good conversation we had, and I think that both topics we talked about anonymity and also the 
personal distancing, social distancing thing. It's all up to each individual person to decide what's right for them, I think. And uh, that's the way it should be. We get in trouble when we tell other people what they need to do. Well, I just want to say I've been practicing social distancing in meetings for quite a while. As soon as that Lord's Prayer gets said, I go up and stand in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. To a certain extent, it's kind of easy for me to social distance because I kind of <laughs> don't like being around people anyway. Anyway, no for me. Thanks. <laughs> so thank you very much uh, for listening to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. It's uh, always thanks, an honor John. to thanks, do this. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ben. Hey, Bobby, Bobby. Great talking with you. Okay. Take care, guys. All right. It's been great. Thank you so much.